0: week's Tuesday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. So we are switching up the order of episodes again this week, just like last week when I did a solo episode on Tuesday and had an awesome guest on Thursday. If you have, side note, if you have not listened to the episode with Vinique Grawl, I highly recommend it. I have heard from several of you that you really enjoyed it. And I really did too and can't wait to have her back. And if you you know have any questions you want to hear her talk about or answer, uh, let me know. I think uh, that would be fun for uh, both of us. But back to this week, there's just been a lot going on in my life, if I'm being completely honest, the last few weeks, primarily work-related. I have um, two significant projects on top of other consulting clients that have just become they've taken on a life of their own. It's, you know, you can only do so much in a discovery call and putting together a statement of work. And as you know, as a fraud fighter, you never know what's going to happen when you pick up a rock and see what's underneath. And sometimes you hit a few unexpected expectations in the last minute that you didn't know. So um, if I'm being honest, it's midnight. Uh, basically a day and a half before this episode will come out. Uh, That's how behind I am, but I really needed to finish something on a deadline over the weekend. And this is just where we are. And um, actually, the reason why, the bigger reason why we're switching up the order of episodes this week is because of the topic. I've been asked over the last few years for parenting advice here and there from other fraud fighters it can be really hard and something that we just kind of learn as we go that, you know, in our jobs, we often learn about the worst that the internet has to offer. Sometimes it's, you know, primarily on the financial side and, you know, the personal data side. Other times it's, you know, worse off in the trust and safety realm of content and, you know, child endangerment content and luring and all of the things that, as a parent, are terrifying, and while I've received those over the last you know year or two, I've never really felt qualified. I still don't feel qualified to give parenting advice, uh, but my daughter did just turn nineteen uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I think I've done all right. And we've definitely I've definitely made mistakes in lots of areas, probably also when it comes to the Internet. But she and I were talking the other day and she was saying a few things about what it's like to have a fraud fighter as a parent and the good and the bad. Right. It's you know good that your parent can give you some guidance and knows how to help keep you safe online it can be bad because you might know too much or learn too much or not be able to do all the same things as your friends. Um, so I said, well, would you ever want to come on the podcast and talk about that? And she surprisingly was like, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, uh, my daughter Jordan is going to be my guest on Thursday and uh, she's really looking forward to providing a lot of honesty, (laughs) uh, I was thinking it would just be for Tuesday, but then I realized, oh, well, I've had all these questions for me about you know how I did things and also, you know, what I would do now, because as she grew up, the internet grew and changed. Um, I didn't even have a smartphone until she was seven. And she didn't have one till, you know, I don't know, she was eleven and that is a story I'll tell soon, but it was not my choice. But yeah, I um co-parent with her father, who, you know, I haven't been in a relationship with for the majority of her life. And he made that decision for us, uh, which ended up being fine. But I wasn't, that was a little too young for me then. But I know now that most kids practically are born with a tablet in their hands. At least I have a niece that I feel like is literally born with a tablet in her hand. Even when she was six months old, it was just like, here you go. So the world has changed since... You know, my daughter first experienced the internet. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, But I just, you know, kind of wanted to share what I've learned. I'll answer some of the questions uh, that I've received. But, you know, like I said, it can be just hard to balance parenting in the 2020s when we know how often, you know, we just, we know too much about the dangerous sides of the internet. But we also don't want to, at least for me, I didn't want to rob my child of something. And knowing also that the internet has given me a career that I never would have known of before. So it was important to me that she be on it and, you know, learn things. And she was learning coding in like fourth grade. I mean, that's part of, you know, being a Seattle child (laughs) raised in a tech hub. But it's, you know, it was important to me not to just shelter her from that Uh, as easy as it would be. I have personal experience of what it's like to be raised in pretty much a bubble and or as I compared it to once a pop can and having <laughs> it be shook up for quite a while until you get in the real world and realize, oh, I'm not prepared for this. So uh, I never wanted to do that, you know, for my kids. So, you know, take what you want, leave what you want, whether you have kids now. Uh, I know several broadfraiders have actually had babies in the last year. So you're probably not thinking about it yet. Uh, or if you're thinking about it at some point, and if you have experience on this, and you you know have any thoughts or perspectives or questions, or want to tell me that I did something wrong, like let me know. Uh, I always enjoy when it's a two-way conversation. Uh, there's at least a couple of people that are I'm grateful that they know I cannot always respond even though I always want to it's uh, to LinkedIn messages but they'll just send me a couple sentences about you know the week's episode like what they liked and what they wish you know talked about and it is encouraging right especially on these weeks when I have to fit in a podcast episode in the middle of the night because I got behind uh, when I was traveling I was a little bit ahead. It's a good reminder that, you know, I know people that are listening and that enjoy this podcast. And so that's a good motivation to get it done. Plus, I already feel so guilty to my editors that I've been later than usual and I really don't like it. So (laughs) I'm planning to get ahead this week. I have a lot of really awesome people to uh, have interviewed soon. So, uh, like I said, including my daughter, which uh, should be interesting. Yeah, she will not hold back. She's my kid, so she'll be very honest. And (laughs) I've been joking with her that, you know, at least I do know the editors and have their contact information and she doesn't. (laughs) One other thing I was going to say, you know, as far as, you know, what makes me qualified for this, I guess, like qualified question mark, other than being a parent that has had to adapt to the internet while knowing about the internet is I have also had the advantage over the last, I'm doing quick math here. Thirteen years to work with the heads of trust and safety and online fraud for the biggest companies in the world. That's you know people in online gaming for consoles and computer games and mobile apps and all that. All different social media companies, marketplaces, etc. And a lot of the times I was working with them when those platforms were just learning about how they could be used and what could happen on their sites. Uh, so. On one hand, I've heard about some of the worst things that can happen on these platforms, especially to kids, and that is really disturbing. But I've also gotten to ask them questions, and uh, I've just kind of had inside knowledge of all their efforts to keep users safe, which (laughs) I think I mentioned this on last week's episode about our trip, but that often factors in my decisions, right? If I know the trust and safety team and I know that they're really on top of things and they care about their users and that's an important part of their company's ethos, I feel a lot better about my child or myself interacting with that site on that platform or making purchases on their website than I do the companies that I may also know who, you know, don't see trust and safety in the same way or take it as seriously or try to be at the forefront of, you know, the, the newest risks and trying to shut them down as quickly as possible and as methodical as possible. If you're curious about social media and some of the things that they you know can do and, and work towards, highly recommend listening to the episode with Asaf Kipnis. He uh, is the former manager of engineers for investiga- Integrity Investigations. I did not look this up, so I had to remember his title off the top of my head uh, and for Meta. And he was uh, laid off a few months ago, but he graced this podcast with his presence and shared a lot of really good information about things that can be done to keep people safe online on social media and talked about a few of the threats that he was able to investigate and learn about in order to take down. And it it was really interesting. A lot of times people that do or have worked for social media companies can't talk a lot uh, publicly, but I was grateful that he came on and I know there's at least one other person from that company that, uh, that was recently laid off that I would love to have on the podcast. Um, I'm writing that down now so I don't forget, uh, and uh, a couple of others from another um, social media site that uh, I've been in touch with. So you can look forward to those as well. It can be you know good to get a little bit of inside track and just understand you know what they're seeing and what they're dealing with, whether that's for your own career aspirations or just curiosity or it helps inform your parenting decisions too. So before diving into you know some of the specifics around the conversations I had with my daughter and expectations, I try not to call them rules. Uh, they were guidelines and expectations, but she knew what that. I mean, she knew not to mess with it. Uh, and you know, I if you know me or if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you know that I was a single mom for the first part of her life. I uh, started dating my now husband when she was two, but it was long distance for two years. And then we moved over to Seattle when she was three and a half and, uh, didn't cohabitate with my husband until we were engaged a couple years later. So it really was just her and I against the world for a long time. And, uh, I've, it's always been important to me to, give her respect and talk to her like a human and, you know, be open and honest, you know, as at age appropriate times with fair and clear expectations and and guidelines. As I said, I don't believe in having rules but I'd always tell her the why a big part of that is because honestly in my childhood I didn't get the why it was just because I said so or because that's you know what's in our religion uh and as a naturally curious person and my daughter is a lot like me for better and for worse I knew that if I didn't give her the why she'd try to go find it out herself uh just like I did uh, for better and for worse and I didn't have the internet back then uh so You know, I don't know if that was that was good and bad as far as trying to figure out what the why was, but a couple of those things came into play as she was getting older and asking to play certain video games or being on certain social media sites. Was you know sitting down and saying you know I thought about this and here's why I you know have this guideline and you know I it's always because I want to keep you safe, Uh, but you know I'll tell you a little bit about why I wouldn't go into gory details or anything like that, but. You know to keep you safe and unfortunately not everyone is good and not everyone on the internet is who they say they are and so you do need to be careful and really you know with the, that saying with great privilege comes great responsibility that's true for every part of growing up as a kid and you know as i entered that with the internet and her smartphone and the tablet we had in our house Uh, the same way. If you want this privilege, here's your responsibility. I also firmly believed and still do, but you know, 19 year old questions are different than 12 year old questions in some good ways and some not, because I'm not surprised anymore (laughs) because you know, for age, but I always have tried to answer any questions that she asked, no matter what kind of day I had, no matter anything, I tried to answer them right away. If it was something I needed to think about, I'd let her know, you know, I need to think about it, but I will let you know tomorrow after school or something like that. I also tried really hard not to ever react to anything that she told me. And that got really awkward (laughs) several times uh, in you know, late elementary school and middle school. So, you know, ages 11 to probably 16 or 17. Uh, but no matter how small or how boring or how awkward the question was or you know, something she wanted to tell me, I was so intentional about that to the point where one time she told me something like that was a really big deal to her about, you know, her identity and who she was. And she'd been thinking about it for a long time. And I was just kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> shrugged and she's like mom but it's because i never wanted to have a big reaction i never wanted to discourage her from telling me anything um it created an open and honest communication both ways and trust which is needed in all relationships but especially your child um that's especially important in the teen years And again, something that I was intentional about because uh, it was, you know, we all I think I think most generations like parent the opposite way that they were parented. And then sometimes we see like the pendulum switch back in two generations. But uh, that was, you know, really my my purposes for those things. uh, And the way I approached parenting and conversations with her and decisions and expectations and all of that. And I think it was really good. You know, it was also really important to me that she not only have her own values and her own beliefs uh, and not just mine or or those of her other parent, but that she could back them up, that she could really, you know, say why she believed them and have strong beliefs because, again, another saying, but, you know, when you believe in nothing, you'll fall for everything. Right. And uh, that was important to me, knowing that she, you know, came out into the world as a very strong Uh, unique female. I wanted to make sure that, you know, she could stand up for herself in those things. And that came in handy when it came to use of the internet as well. All right. So as I mentioned, um, she got her first smartphone, I think at 11... It was not my choice. Uh, She was visiting her dad across the state, as she did back then. It was every other weekend she would fly for 45 minutes on her own. I mean, obviously on a commercial flight to see her dad, usually either on Friday night or Saturday morning, and she'd be back Sunday afternoon. That was a lot. In fact, my daughter got upgraded to first class because of air miles before I did. (laughs) But uh, yeah, anyway, that doesn't matter. But uh, so she went over there um, one weekend and came back with a smartphone. And I was like, "Hmm, all right, glad we talked about this. But she was barely ever on it uh, until maybe 13 or 14. Even after she uh, got on social media, she just I I watched all my other friends' kids be on their phones all the time. And my friends would complain about just be like, oh, they're on their phone all the time. And I was like, mine really isn't. So I was grateful for that. I mean, that changed in high school, especially during COVID, but I was part of that. And she loves to create, she's, you know, artistic and (laughs) loves to, you know, do crafts and draw and, uh, was involved in theater and things like that. So she was busy and it just wasn't her thing. So when it came to apps, here's a few of the things that I remember um, us going over, that things that I wouldn't know otherwise, except for, you know, being in this industry. So uh, first I explained that just because uh, an app was in the app store, it didn't mean it was safe. Uh, I showed her how to look at the number of downloads, the reviews, when it was released, you know, even um, how to Google the company name or look up the developer information. That was especially because of the whole flashlight thing uh, that happened kind of early on in the app world. Uh, and I think it was both on Apple and Android at first, uh, but maybe mostly Android. I don't remember exactly, but there was um, spyware in a flashlight app and it just got downloaded so much and it was, you know, not a good one. So um, I, you know, kind of taught her those things it's gotten a little bit better but i still think it's important especially because of app permissions um so i I explained to her you know before she ever downloaded her first app on her phone uh why free apps want so much information about you or even paid apps right it's because you're the product i had seen enough uh tools and uh verification tools in the fraud world that relied on free data that came from app or relied on data aggregation that came from free apps, whether that was based on people's activity. I mean, at one point you could even get down to the geolocation of where they took their afternoon walk. And if they, if people were entering in, you know, what they ate for you know, a meal into a fitness app That would be uh, shared so you could know, you know, for marketing purposes primarily, but also for fraud. I think since GDPR, that's a little more restricted, but uh, I knew that all of that was available. So, you know, also showed her kind of the importance of looking at all of the app permissions and how it was important and it still is to decide if it's worth the trade. So, you know, is playing, getting to play this game or being on the social media app or whatever the app was worth giving up my privacy to strangers? And it always drives me crazy when people say, well, I don't care, you know, I'm not very exciting. So I explained to her, even if you don't understand what they can do with it, the point is that that's your information, what you like, what you search, you know, all of those things, especially if it's your camera or your microphone or things like that. And, you know, it's an important conscious decision to make but at the same time like back then you couldn't opt out of certain permissions so now I've you know had an updated conversation with her that she reviewed the permissions and I you know not consent to any that she's not comfortable with now sometimes that means that you don't get to fully use the app or anything like that but everything is a trade right so it's privacy for convenience or privacy for entertainment and I hope that I uh, instilled that in her, her. I guess we'll find out on Thursday. Uh, If any of the app permissions had, you know, access to the camera, um, I would try to make sure it was only when the app was used. Um, At one point, there was a time when uh, I thought it was a good idea to tape up her camera when she wasn't using it. That was, you know, kind of because of some information I had learned at the time. I don't know how valuable that was, but uh, that was important to me then. Now she takes so many selfies and pictures of our dog and pictures at her work that I don't think, um, don't think that would be sustainable. (laughs) Uh, she did ask for an Instagram at the end of fifth grade because she was really good friends with a girl who was going to middle school. So a lot of times in the States, uh, you have, you know, primary school K through five, and then middle school is, uh, six to eighth. And so, I mean, it was different when I was a kid, but now uh, most places it's six to eighth. And so Anyway, her good friend was going to another school and she just begged me, mom, mom, please, like, you know, I really want to have this just to keep in touch with her. And I felt like, okay, that's fair. Let's have a conversation. And so these are the things that I remember off the top of my head. And this really pertains to all social media plus um, video games that have a chat feature. Um, so uh, it was imperative that there be no personal information anywhere, not just on the public profile part, uh, you know, because we did have her lock down everything that, you know, posts and everything that was private, but um, in any posts, So not your last name, not the name of your school, not your age, not the neighborhood, not your street address, not your street name, not your parents name, all those things. And I explained why, you know, they're just because it's on the internet doesn't mean that there's not real world consequences. And safety is important. And you wouldn't want you know random people to know how to get a hold of you or who you are uh your first name's okay mostly because her first name you know is fairly common even though i spelled it a little bit differently than usual so it's with a yn not an, A-N So jordan with a Y N, yn but still there's enough of them out there that it's not like carice where there's one of me <laughs> um she only had her first name on the profile never her last name at first, she could only be connected with people that she knew in real life and her profile you know, picture couldn't show how young she was. So oftentimes it was a picture of our dog or something like that. And in order to connect with people in real life, she would have to you know, tell them what her profile is or find theirs. But that was fine. And, you know, at 11, 12, 13, I mean, mostly 11 and 12 and even 13, she was barely ever on social media anyway. And then, um, you know, 14, 15, 16, eh, that got a little bit more, but there was no reason to be connected with anyone that she didn't know in real life. And if anyone contacted her out of the blue and messaged her that she didn't know in real life, she was not to respond to them. Uh, and as far as I know, she didn't. Uh, we did lock down all the permissions to keep everything private. Um, uh, when we talked about posts, like things that she would post, um, and I happened to know that from, I think it was ninth grade, right? eighth or ninth grade until almost her senior year. So grades nine, 10, 11, and almost 12. Um, I think she only had maybe six posts total. So she just wasn't super active on it, which is fine with me. But, um, you know, we just talked about what kinds of things would be okay to post, right? And what would you be okay sharing with your biggest enemy? And I asked her that, especially when she was in element or middle school, because especially with girls in middle school, one day they're your friend and the next day they aren't. So if you're posting a lot of personal things or embarrassing things or pictures of you doing silly things like or, you know, whatever it is, and then somebody who is on your friends list isn't your friend the next day, you never know what can happen. I also just think that's a good rule, though, to remember that once it's on the Internet, it stays on the Internet and. Uh, You know, at that time already, there had been a lot about college uh, admissions, looking at social media posts and everything else. And so, you know, obviously it was public. So I just thought that was a good rule overall, Um, just to be conscious about what you're posting. And sometimes there's this sense of familiarity on the Internet because you do know people on real life. But remember that, you know, that could change. Right. That's going to be on there forever. It's going to be accessible forever. Even if you delete it, it's still on a server somewhere. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology, and one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, Maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, I always felt like it was important to have kindness at all times whenever interacting with anyone online. That's just, you know, maybe that's not a safety thing, but it's just part of, you know, my expectations and values. Um, And also when she started to text and then also like DM and message with friends, I noticed that there were a lot of hurt feelings happening on either side. Because they couldn't hear tone of voice, right? So maybe in her head, she was being sarcastic, but it came off to a friend as really mean or vice versa. So I kind of came up with this thing one day randomly and said, before you send any texts, I want you to read it as a robot without any voice inflection. So that, you know, was the silly thing to make us laugh. But also she realized, oh, okay. If someone doesn't know that I'm being, you know, funny or facetious or anything like that, then I should put, you know, an emoji in there or I should tell them or, you know, I need to read this through and see if it it comes across the way I meant for it to. Um, I guess it's not really about internet safety except for... You know, I mean, online bullying and things like that. Like, you don't want to accidentally hurt someone's feelings or, you know, get into a fight that gets out of control because, you know, you didn't understand that there's no tone of voice and context is important on text. I honestly think that's a lesson a lot of adults could learn, but I'm not their mother. Um, as she got older, um, it, you know, got to be okay to accept social media requests from friends of friends, but there was no reason for strangers until it was inevitable, which is coming up in a minute. That was quite the thing we had. Um, and I shared a little bit about it on a much older episode, maybe like a year or two ago. But I think it provides a lot of valuable learning uh, lessons that are just life lessons that hopefully, you know, you guys can learn through us so you don't have to go through it. Um, and then also super important to have geolocation off in uh, when you're whenever you're posting pictures or photos. Um, video games kind of the same thing right so same rules as social media when talking to people no personally identifiable information be leery of people that you don't know in real life because you know people can be anyone that they want to be online just because they say they're 14 and they live where you are doesn't mean that they are and you know I also had some conversations with her about kind of that online stranger danger right like if somebody's asking a lot of questions or getting interested in you I know that that might seem really flattering but At the same time, like that can be scary. It could be, you know, someone that they're not. So we, you know, talked about that, I mean, fairly regularly, but not all the time. You know, I really tried hard to balance that and not be like, do you know what I heard happened to, you know, this company or that company? I've tried hard in my whole life, like in all of my personal life, not to give a lot of, you know, fraud information. I mean, I do when it comes up or when I'm asked or things like that, but I try not to be that walking, um, public service announcement all the time um there have been times i've held my tongue just because i'm like it's just not worth it to get into it or you know with the person at the grocery store or whatever about why they shouldn't be you know saying their card number out loud on the phone when they're ordering something or whatever else is happening that's ridiculous and then um similar you know just one more note on video games and i didn't have this issue with her i mean she loves to play video games but i have nephews that They're on like a whole other planet of video games. And I know it's fairly popular, especially with boys, but just, you know, all of them like the um, multiplayer games and things like that. I think kindness is important, right? No swearing at people. I have that rule in real life, too. Um, I was okay with her swearing at home to get feelings out or to, you know, show a little bit of emphasis on something, but never swearing at people. That's how fights get up. And that's how bullying can be accused. That's just it's just not good, right? And then, you know, if you lose your temper, then you're too invested in the game and it's time to go outside. Again, to me, technology was a privilege uh, that came with responsibility. I really didn't have to discipline my daughter very much at all. Um, I think because you know when she was a toddler, I kind of stuck to my guns quite a bit. So she just knew I'm not messing with mama. But you know, it was exhausting and I was working like crazy shifts and you know single mom and that whole thing you know barely any money and all that I still just tried to be as consistent as possible and when she got older I didn't really have to right just tell her once tell her the why and okay I get it and she's been a really good kid overall I never really even had to limit her screen time um until covid when it started to impact her mental health but I think that's kind of an isolated incident, but, you know, I would notice sometimes like if she stayed home from school one day or something like that, and she watched a lot of YouTube or was on social media a lot. Hey, do you notice that you're kind of a little bit more down than you usually are when you're not on your iPad all the time? Hey, maybe, you know, you should set a timer for yourself and go walk around or read a book or something like that. And if she was conscious about it, she'd do it. Otherwise it was just, you know, zoning out. But then when she'd get off of it, she'd just be not herself so then we get to high school and this big event that happened um I was gonna say to us but really it was to her um there was a YouTube channel that does a lot of social experiments uh in Seattle that did a call for um participants and one was for a social experiment of teenagers and Jordan begged me to be a part of it or for her to be a part of it um you know she did her research she found out where it was she learned you know exactly what they were asking of them she asked them, you know, how much information they would give out about her. I think she actually did that proactively because I asked, like, is it just first name or is it last name? Are they, you know, are you saying where you're going to school? Like, what's you know all that? But she really wanted to do it, not really because she wanted to get famous or anything like that. Like I know there's a lot of kids that are like, I want to be an influencer, but um, which just sounds exhausting and just exploitative. But on your of yourself, but that's you know a whole other conversation. She didn't really want to be famous. She was excited about the social experiment because, again, my kid, uh, I studied sociology in college. It's you know, always fa- human behavior has always fascinated me. It's always fascinated her, too. So, you know, I talked to somebody about it or to someone that worked there and, you know, made sure I felt as comfortable about it as I could. Signed the waiver, dropped her off, and she was there for about two and a half hours about like a month or two later it came out and I think there was a couple hundred thousand views and it was okay, but like there wasn't anything big that happened to her about that. Right. Like um there was a little buzz, but like, you know, no one tried to contact her or look her up. It was just like, okay, it's there. So over a year, I think it was almost two years later, she wakes up on a morning in February in 2021 when we're still under COVID lockdown. I don't think we had the vaccine yet. Um, And you know, because It was under COVID lockdown, kids were home and bored and someone found this video that she was on in like the fall of 2019 and thought it was worth reposting on TikTok. It went viral overnight and my kid woke up to 8,000 Instagram followers. She'd had like 167. I know it was under 170 before this happened. And she was just like, mom, I don't know what's going on, but I think I went viral. And I'm like, what? What did you do? It was like the YouTube video. What? Like it was so confusing. I honestly didn't think the YouTube video was that enlightening, but she, you know, had a big personality and it came across in it. during the social experiment. She was opinionated and it was, you know, two and a half hours that was edited into 15 minutes. So there were things that The timeline got mixed around and they kind of painted a narrative around her, even though there were seven other high schoolers well six other high schoolers I guess you know they had to have a narrative and it was the editing was out of her control and so she came across kind of annoying she was also 15 at the time right uh but when it went viral she was almost 17 so there's quite a bit of development and maturity that happens in between those times so the video took on a life of its own uh she was given a really stupid nickname on the internet um I guess that happens you know when stuff goes viral and there were death threats and people saying that they do horrible things to her if she were their daughter like it was really bad um it was like it happened very quickly over the course of a few days and she was just kind of stunned but also she couldn't she couldn't stop looking at it and like the alerts and stuff and then like Two days later it was a Saturday night around like 9 p.m pacific time uh, and my husband and I were watching a tv show or something and she came into our our living room just kind of like white as a ghost and said that someone had sent her a dm of a picture of our house <laughs> and I was like I'm sorry what so I contacted Gabby at Wiser I'm so lucky to have to know the smartest people in the world and Wiser provides free training to companies and people on various new scams and uh, online vulnerabilities and things like that. And, And their videos are really fun. They are not the typical boring security videos. And they're usually pretty quick in like TikToks or Reels or, you know, things like that. So Gabby was the first person I thought of. And thank goodness he was still awake because it was, you know, after midnight, his time on a Saturday. And um, when I told him what happened and I was like, all the permissions on the app are locked down. I don't know how they get geolocation. He suggested that I look at the phone level permissions. So I learned an important lesson. You don't, you just, you can't just lock down the permissions on the app. Sometimes you need to also lock down the permissions on your phone. Because uh, whoever did this was able to run a photo that she posted um, one of like the seven or eight that she had posted over a few years from our house and run it through some program and see the IP address that posted it. And, you know, she wasn't using a proxy. So up comes a Google image of our house. So that was terrifying. But I also wasn't too worried about physical safety. Um, I looked up the person that sent it and they lived far away and it was just, you know. One of those things, like they were doing it because they could, but it was still really scary, especially for her. And I mean, for me too, I, I knew not to be too worried, but it was still unnerving. So within a week of that YouTube video being reposted on TikTok and going viral, she got 30,000 followers on Instagram. And most of them were hate followers, not the best. Um, there were thousands of memes with her face, with all kinds of sayings on it there were dozens of parody YouTubes of her, even by PewDiePie, who is, you know, apparently one of the big, bigger YouTube stars or was at the time. Um, Like he bought a wig and the, and an outfit to look like, you know, what she was wearing in the video. And I don't know, it was ridiculous, but I'm old. So those things are lost on me, but it was insane. Um, One girl found um, her, Jordan's dad on Instagram. And uh, like, I guess, you know, he had, tagged her in something like long before this or something. And she downloaded some of the pictures of Jordan and her dad when she was younger and like different places like that and did a TikTok claiming to be her cousin. That was a weird flex. Nothing else came of that. I think she was trying to like get downloads or clout or something on the back of it. But thankfully not many people watched it. But I remember her best friend had it on her uh, for you page. And so that morning she texted her and said, is this really your cousin? Because I haven't, you know, she hadn't met her before. And um, Jordan asked me that. And I was like, nope, never seen the girl in my life. Double check with your dad. Nope, never seen her. So that was weird, but not, I mean, not creepy, but weird. Um, I did ask her dad to untag her on everything after that because um, he did have his last name on things. And I just, you know, I really want to protect her not just because she's my kid and I have a podcast and things like that but just I just think it's important and she has a different last name than me so you know let's keep it you know safe and secure as long as possible um other kids in the video didn't get the attention that she did and she had like media contacts and ignored them It really impacted her mental health. After the first week, it was really bad. I think she was embarrassed. It was like, I did this thing, you know, for a couple hours two years ago. And at 17, 15 feels like a lifetime ago. Not to mention the fact that we'd been in a pandemic for a year at that point almost. And it was just, it was a lot. I was really concerned about her. And there were some times that it, it got, you know, pretty dark. Um, her dad really wanted to, her to cancel her Instagram. Um, I thought it was interesting. She said, no, she didn't want them to win or think that they got to her. And she said, one day I'm going to be strong enough to show them that I made it through and I want them to see it, which She's always been very mature for her age, but I did make a compromise with her and we did take Instagram off of her phone and turned off all the notifications. So it wasn't uh, going to her email or anything. So she couldn't see them. And that helped a lot. Um, she would have had to like go out to the web on her phone or on the iPad or on her laptop for school to go to it. And so that would take more time than just clicking the app button, meaning that she would have a few minutes to go, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to see what's happening? But it was absolutely insane. I, it was uh, not something we ever, you know, thought would happen. She actually like was told that she had enough, but she was contacted by a few marketing companies saying that she had like enough followers to start making paid posts it was like no it was bananas and she's posted a few things since and I think she's down to like 20,000 followers or something like that but she's actually anytime she posts it's like for a charity or awareness or something um like she did a fundraiser for the humane society once on on her ig things like that so you know she uses it for good and she really barely ever posts or is active on it I think she you know dms with a couple friends or whatever but she uses Snapchat for other things. I don't know. There's all kinds of social media now. Uh, and if you have a teenager, you know that they use different ones for different things. But we both learned a lot through that experience. And I'm really proud of her that she is willing to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about it. There's also several questions that were submitted by uh, a fraud Fighter's daughter that I'm excited to ask her as well as, a few others that people have sent in um so it should be fun but it's it's really surreal she still gets recognized in public places quite often even though she looks different than she did almost four years ago even just like a month or two or maybe it's even more than that i think like four or five six months something like that i don't know during covid especially time just kind of was all shoved together and i don't remember all of it but or like you know the timelines but a few months later she went to the mall with her best friend and We still had mask mandates in place. So she was wearing a COVID mask and she had a baseball hat on and she still had three or four people recognize her. Two people asked her for selfies. Her best friend was like, this is really strange. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a big deal because not a lot of people knew that that production company was out of Seattle. So they didn't know where the kids were from. Uh, So Very weird. Um, Then we went to Hawaii last summer and well, I guess I recorded an episode or two from there. So if you listened to episodes last summer, you knew that when we were in Hawaii, we did an excursion on uh, this catamaran boat that my husband and I have uh, done before or whenever we go there. And it's just one of our favorite things. And as we were getting off the catamaran into kind of a semi-public park, There was this teenage boy that was talking to this teenage girl and going, I don't know, is she, is she? And then the boy came up to her and my husband overheard this. I was, I don't know, washing the sand off my feet or something. I didn't hear it, but he told me about it. And I saw him get very protective and, um, you know, not in a mean way, just like kind of worried. Um, The boy came up to her and said, are you, you know, from that video? And she was like, yeah. And he said, oh, wow, can we take your picture? And she's like, well, not really. I just got done snorkeling. And he kind of started following her. So I, once my husband told me what happened, I gave him a dirty look and told him to, you know, get, get out of here. <laughs> um, I don't think that's necessarily swearing at him. I didn't call him any names. I just told him to get out of here. Um, but, uh even, even when we were at the big box store two weeks ago, um, when we were waiting to get our flat tire fixed in our vacation from how that I talked about on last week's episode, um somebody recognized her it was really funny I'm gonna let her tell that story because it was hilarious we also just needed to laugh that day um but it was really funny because it was in like the small farm town of all things but anyway I think what I'm saying is like for her generation she's apparently like a meme or a pop culture thing I don't get it I still don't understand why the video was so popular but again I think it was 2021, and everyone was bored. And I don't know, I probably thought things were funny then that I would be like, why did I think that was funny then or ever? So, by far, that uh, event was, you know, the hardest thing that she had to deal with because of the internet. I will say a year, well, Several months later, she was uh, one of the girls that was in the video with her contacted her and said, hey, I did this podcast with these people in Australia and they really um, had empathy for you and saw your side and didn't think that, you know, you were annoying or anything. And they really, you know, felt bad for all the hate you were getting online. And so they'd really like to interview you for their podcast. Turns out it was a pretty big one for, you know, Gen Z and um So she reached out, she did all the research. I was terrified. I did not want her to do it, but she said, mom, I really need to do this. I need to just once and for all say my side and explain to people that it was edited. It wasn't, you know, a raw 15 minutes that it was someone else telling a story and stitching together things that happened in different times to make it seem like one thing. And she says, I want to tell people I've grown up and I've matured and I, you know, get why they thought I was a little annoying. So I actually left the house that day, but I set up my, you know, podcast microphone for her and everything and I listened to it and I just bawled. Like it was so good. She was. It was also played on YouTube. I was so proud of her and um, she's really come out of it stronger and, you know, learn more about herself and who her true friends are. Um, and so you know, you'll get to hear her experiences, not just that big one uh, and her YouTube fandom or infamy or whatever we want to call it. But, you know, the other things too, right? About what it's like to have me as a mom, um, what it's like to just have a fraud fire in general, right? You know, are you scared all the time on the internet? Are you telling people what not to do? Like, do you want to do this job? Like those types of questions. I think it'll be fun. Um, she's already told me that she thinks it would be really funny if she beat Diana in the most listened to episode. We'll see about that. Um, Somehow I think that sneaker bots are a little bit more interesting than this, but you know, you never know. She is a very fascinating child Um, and I'm proud of her. Um, So anyway, she will join me for Thursday's episode this week and uh, hopefully she won't, uh, I don't know, tell too many embarrassing stories about me, but it should be fun. And, uh, I thank you guys for sticking around and listening to the podcast every week. I just cannot thank you enough. And I look forward to speaking with you soon.